Ladies and gentlemen of Jets Nation from around the world, you're listening to the Good, the Bad, and the Jets podcast. On the move. A lot of time. Directing traffic. Gonna go deep. Have a man deep. It is caught for the touchdown. Corey Davis. Get used to the mantra, all gas, no break. To a throw the sideline. Let's go, man! (laughs) And now, let's kick it over to your hosts, Brandon Ferris and Spencer Klein. Welcome, everyone, to the Good, the Bad, and the Jets podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ferris, and as always, alongside me is Spencer Klein. What a 72 hours it's been. What a weekend it's been for the Jets, Spence. This is the most they've gotten praised in a while after a draft class. But as always, it is Jets offseason champion season. So I'm not surprised. doesn't really matter until they perform on the field, though. We're going to have to change the name of the pod. It's the good in the Jets. The bad yeah. is gone. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I I will yeah. be, I will be hammering the over. I, as of right now, we're recording Monday night, May second. Over is five and a half. Like that is, it'll be a big disappointment if they don't reach that. I'll I'll say that statement now. And yes, yeah, stuff can change. Hopefully, everyone is healthy. But we'll we'll uh we'll just say that for now. <laughs> yeah. So we'll give our draft grades. We'll give individual grades for each player and then a class grade overall and unless there's anything else you wanted to mention i guess we can go right into it yeah we jump right into it i mean this is what it is right now still still draft conversation so i guess we can start with sauce as our first <laughs> as our first grade so when we originally did the live stream, I think I gave it a B minus, and I think you gave it a, a B minus or C. But after sleeping on it, I'm going to increase my grade on pick. I'm going to give it a B for now. And the reason I give it a B is because, yes, he, he won in the draft and a lot of others, but to take, to take a corner at number four, He's got to be legit. And, and like I said, he better be pro bowl or all bro in the first three years or else it, it might to take a cornerback in the top five. It's, it's interesting, especially when they kind of rely on the defensive line instead of the secondary to be shut. And it was a little puzzling, pick, but I guess, don't view Hall and Eccles in the same light as we do, where we thought one of them could be CB2. So you have Reed and Sauce locking down the secondary, and it's just interesting based on everything we've heard is to for them to take corner at number four. So I'm, I'm going to give it a B for now. So I think, uh, of course, I'm going to be, you know, me with my friendly grades. Like, I think it jumps up from, well, actually, let me give the little story, I guess, behind it. Like, yes, initially on the spot, I rewatched our faces on the live stream. My face was definitely <laughs> uncomfortable. I was like, oh, this this was a mistake. It was not the move they should have made. 
Yeah, at the moment, definitely it was a B minus in my head because I was concerned. Like, what, what are you going to do with edge? What are you going to do with wide receiver? Like, you you threw off the the template that we had at least heading into Thursday evening. But leaving with Wilson after, leaving with Jermaine still after. What we'll talk about them in a moment. The fact that they were still able to leave basically with their guys, and I would say our guys too. We talked about them a ton in the, the pre-draft process. I'm gonna jump it up to to an A minus. Like I'm not gonna say it's an A. I but, don't think that. I think that's a it's too uh it's too rich. But the fact that you're able to add a a very well, like as you said, should be at least a very quality starting corner, and it's gonna even if it's gonna be well according to Connor Hughes, although they don't value as much in the scheme. Uh, I'm happy with how it resulted, and based on the other moves they were still able to make. If they didn't land Jermaine and Wilson. That would change my grade, definitely. I would have definitely probably still had it in the B range, but would not have had it in A. That, that's my reason behind that. Based on what else they did, instead of just as a siloed pick, which is what... Yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that it factors in for me, definitely. Interesting. I mean, no, the player itself, like, I, I don't see why he, he wouldn't potentially be in A, like, the hype was behind him and ahead of the draft. I ended just, of course, looking a little more into him after the pick. Just someone with rare size at that corner, and it's rare build. Like, yeah, they believe he's like six three. I love the one. Build. Yeah, it's just something really that long you arm. don't see. Yeah, yeah. And I like what DJ enemy of the Daily News noted how like the Jets have, I believe it's Tony, Odin or Ogden. I double check his name, but more of the story. One of the better D back coaches in the league who's developed some of the better D-backs in the league. And I think the names like Xavier Howard, uh, who else? I, I have to go back to DJ's cheat tweet. Excuse me, can't remember it all. But I think it's just, it, it's a good spot after, yeah, after how it all worked out. So happy with it now. And the moment definitely was a little iffy. <laughs> and and they signed the Cincy D-line coach too, which probably helped factor this in. And Absolutely. Yeah. Sure he vouched for Sauce. But I, I do love the frame and, and the size of him. He's Six inches taller than DJ Reed, so that will be a, a fun comparison to see in the bat in the in the secondary. Yeah, and now look, they literally revamped the entire cornerback group. I know, and look, DJ was on that one throughout the offseason. He said how the how the, us fans view the cornerback group is not how they internally viewed that. I'm not gonna. I, I don't think we we uh, thought that meant they would still take a corner in the draft when you they would at least add someone in free agency, but. Uh, they doubled down, <laughs> and uh, not going to complain. It's, I'm happy with the group now. So yeah, definitely. No, very interested to see what what uh, Sauce will become. Happy to have him now. And I think he's going to start the year as CB two. I don't. I don't think. Daddy doesn't have to put the labels on them. Like I just think you're going to have Reed and Sauce out there for most. Yeah. Like, I don't know if there's going to be one on, one on the like the number one wide receiver that but- kind of stuff. I think they stay on their side. I would say from what we saw last year <laughs> in this scheme. So, I mean, anyone could say he'll be CB1 or CB2. It, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Just play well and it, who cares? <laughs> exactly. So we can go on to their next first-round pick at number 10, who we thought was going to be Drake London, but it ended up being Garrett Wilson since London was picked by Atlanta. I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this an A. 
I, I, I mean, Wilson was my wide receiver one for a while, and then he dipped down to wide receiver two. But I do think he has the safest floor out of the players that have been picked at, at the wideout position. He can definitely come in and get seven to 800 yards. He should easily be able to do that this year and should consistently be a 1,000-yard receiver along with Elijah Moore for the next few seasons. And I know he struggles with drops, and his frame isn't that great. He's a little lean for being six foot, but other than that, he's a great route runner, great rack guy, great yak guy, and he should, like I said, flirt with 800 yards, five or six touchdowns, and that would be a, a very good rookie season. So I'm very excited. I think he can be wide receiver as soon as he steps in and be a, a great wide out for Wilson to throw to. The Wilson and Wilson connection is here. Yeah, I agree. It's a clean A for me, the guy Wilson took. Look, we said heading into this offseason, you needed to add another big piece of that trio with Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. Struck out in free agency, but look, we figured on draft night, you're going to have a good opportunity to get Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, the others that went a little bit behind that, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks. And look, Wilson, yeah, I, I, I know I mentioned it on the pod pre-draft, like flip-flop throughout the offseason. I had him at the top at one point, flipped to Drake London for his versatility that he would have added to the offensive group. But as, as I know, I continue to use the example, like, a good team like the Rams <laughs> you has wide of similar style. Not a problem to have that. It's all about a coach at that point making use of himself. Yeah, excited to have Wilson. Definitely a clean A. Just I, looking forward to him with that tree. I think you got two, at a minimum, two really good young pieces with Davis to round out the group. It's going to be gonna be fun to watch. <laughs> excited to see what he can do. And I don't know, we'll, we'll talk expectation in the summer, but expecting to come and hit the ground running. Really do. And I think he can be the Jets version of, of Jamar Chase for Zach Wilson. I'm not saying he's going to be Jamar Chase, but I think he can become the wide receiver one with Elijah Moore playing like the T Higgins wide receiver two role down the line. I, I really like Wilson. He He's a little bit bigger than Moore, six foot, and he has speed. For forty, and he he separates well. There's really, like I said, not many negatives other than the drops and and the build. So I think he'll be huge in in aiding Zach Wilson. Absolutely, it's uh, it's a pretty quality wide receiver room now. So yeah, a clean A. I'll sum it up with uh, with him on that. And I know you can't wait for the dress to move on to Corey Davis, but he will be here. <laughs> I'm planning down the road. That's all I'll say on Corey <laughs> Davis. Do they tank for the other Ohio State receiver that you like? That, an early name, just to plug it right now, Smith Najigba from Ohio State. Going to be an absolute star next year. But I don't think we'll be in that. Uh, we won't have the opportunity. Sorry. They won't have the opportunity to select him. Uh, they it's probably going to be a top, top pick, and they better not be there <laughs> the team. Marvin Mims is who I want. Oklahoma wide out. But again, we we should not be looking forward to the draft next year. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move over to their third first-round pick. And I just want to say that I was correct 
in predicting that they'll have three first-round picks, by the way. Get up for Jermaine Johnson at number 26. Jermaine Johnson was, like, we would have been fine with him at, at pick number four, which is crazy. And they mm-hmm. got to play there. I agree with basically everyone else. Sells is great on this. It's an A+. Plus. You get a guy who was the edge three for me. I had him higher than Karloftis. I think you did too. And the yep. guy who we would have been okay with at four and ten. <laughs> so, and you only traded, what, a fourth? Really? You got a you fifth. Got that was all. A fifth because you got that third rounder back. And he is going to be a great system fit, according to the coaches. He's a great run stopper, which is, again, their theme of the offseason was getting better at the run defense. He can rush the passer. This also allows JFM to move inside, which he is better at for rushing the passer. And I really think he's another high floor player. Maybe he doesn't have that ceiling that someone like David Ajobo George Karloftis have, but he's only 23. Let's not make it like he's 26 or 27. He's, he's only 20. He'll be 24 at the end of the season, and he can be a, a day one starter. This is your third day one starter you find in the first round. He can probably play 70 to 80% of the snaps and hopefully flirt with double-digit sacks and be a, a menace on uh, – Run defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just going to give it a clean A as well. I know it's hard for me to give an A+, plus, I feel like, before, before they play. <laughs> Maybe that's just my, my little rule. I'm going to decide going forward. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but, no, in reality, I think you hit on most of the points realistically that I think everyone is uh, in consensus on him with, like, we would have been fine with him at 4-10. And they landed him in 26. I mean, there's not much more to even say to that. Simply that that's just that's good GMing. And I want to hear what the analytics community is saying about that. I definitely saw the commentary on PFF giving them a hard time for making any types of just any type of move to move up for a player. But it's that that's that's good business by Joe Douglas. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to help in the run game. Cause that's sorry in the run defense game because that's certainly what was a problem last year. And that, that's one of his strengths. And that's going to be a big, big help for sure to that unit. So and that's what excited we, to have him. We, we mentioned about Douglas. Like, you, you gain all these picks for a reason. You don't, you're not 12 picks in the draft. You, you get them to trade up and trade for players. And that's what he did. And for people complaining, sucks. <laughs> like, he, like he, he can't just draft 10 players every year. It's a very young team. It's probably the youngest team or the second youngest team in the league. You can't just come in with 10 rookies again. You got to go quality over quantity in, in this one. And that's what they did. And they landed another day one starter in the back of the first round. Exactly. It was just, I, I, we think we were amazing by this one versus the other moves that they were just able to pull it off perfectly. And I, and I know I was saying to you as we were watching, I was like, just, just hold off. They can get someone at 36 in round two. Plenty of it. And look, edges were still there, but to get, as we said, to get your guy that could have gotten much earlier, that's good stuff, simply so. Yeah. And A grade, uh, I mean, it's just rare to have a first round. We're just, we're not really 
complaining <laughs> about any of the players. We were just pretty comfortable with them all. And they were they were calling at like pick fifteen, which I think would have been too early. I think I said in the last pot in the twenties, like twenty and above, I would have been comfortable. But coming back up to pick fifteen would have probably cost both second rounders. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Exactly, I, I agree. It just look as you've mentioned, like there's a, Joe Douglas likes to play with luck, and he's had <laughs> a lot of it go in his favor so far. And it's gonna run out. Nothing, nothing more to say about it. exactly. Like glad it's been working out so far, but we'll, we'll see going forward <laughs> and that kind of stuff. But he's he's been play, playing a dangerous game with the draft. Yep. Because but yeah, I mean more of the story. Big, just just a. I mean, as people have, I've seen comments, and I would agree with them. A franchise altering round one this year really could be. It could be. I'm not saying it is yet. They have to play, of course. Yeah. Well, I told you this could be the most impactful first round since the Jets drafted DeBrickashaw and Mangold in the first round. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll I'll let you lead with their next pick, their fourth pick of the draft, probably your favorite player of the of the draft. So yeah, I, I'm gonna yeah, I'll, I'll jump right into it. I'm it was ve- excuse me, I was very excited that they actually pulled off the aggressive move and landed Brees Hall. I'm I'm gonna give it an A minus because yes, it's always and we've said this like you could find running backs anywhere. I'm not the ninth. They could have waited and done something on day three and and just found their guy there. But I just love the aggressive move. You, you basically gave up nothing. Same thing. You parted with the fifth to move up two slots to, to get your guy. And you had to. I know the reporting around that pick was Houston was going to take him at 37. So you, you had to move up. You had no choice. If they had moved up into round one, probably down it would be plus. That would have been a little rich, I think. You probably would have had to give up. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether it would have given up on top of it, but more clearly. So I, at the end of the day, love it. A minus for me. You have a a really strong running back doing now. One A, one B in, in Hall and Carter. And Hall's go go tune into some of his college highlights and just and I'm not, don't look at the box score. Forget that. We know he blows it out of the park there. But like they have a home run hitter now. That was my one taker just from watching a little bit about him after they took him. Like we we haven't seen runs like that on the Jets in so long. I I, I literally can't recall. Well, I know Carr had a couple of them this year, but before that, they just simply haven't had that. Now they're going to have that again. That's, that's, that's a big piece, and as we said, it's all about Zach. So I, I have no problem with him being aggressive to make sure that he's that it's loaded around. So A-minus for me. I think I'm most excited for him because just, it's not something I actually thought they were going to do, and they did it. <laughs> so I'll turn it to you. And I think in this scenario, Brees Hall is going to be the 1A. In the Jets' backfield, some people are emotionally attached to Michael Carter, but he was a fourth-round pick. He's only 5'9". He had some injury concerns last year. So I think he's a, a great 1B, and I think we always said that, that he was never the 1A kind of guy. And I would give this pick an A-. minus. I think they got the best running back in the draft. I'm glad they did not trade up into the first round like they or two, I think that would have been a mistake. They only give it gave up a fifth round pick. Fifth round picks don't mean anything to me. So it's really moving up what a couple spots to get your guy to get your RB one really. 
Yeah. Someone someone who's was great in college, who has had hype for the last two years around him. And they're really building this team like they did in 08 and 09. They're going to run the ball a lot. And it's going to be tough to stop the duo of Carter and Hall this year. And I really think Hall is, I wouldn't say franchise changing, but he's going to give the Jets something that they haven't had in a while. And it's going to be a really good thing for Zach Wilson and the offense. I think Michael Forrest, and I love having him and Carter in the backfield. I would love to see two running back split sets sometimes, do some screens to either one. I know Paul isn't great at pass blocking, but that's where Michael Carter can step in. I know he's a better pass blocker. So not many negatives here. Yes, running back wasn't really in need. But anything to help the offense and to help Zach Wilson is going to get a, a very good grade for me. Like now you have to actually game plan against their offense. You, you do. <laughs> they have pieces where you, you're going to be afraid of players. That's, that's what we've been wanting to say <laughs> and for a couple of years. More we, than a couple of years. I, I've always been saying you want your weakest point to still be a solid player. Like yep. their weakest point was probably the tight end room, and they were all very below average. Mm-hmm. Now their weakest point, maybe it's the tight end still, or maybe it's Corey Davis. Either way, it's still an above average player. Yep. Again, running back isn't a need. I don't like drafting them early, but Brees Hall is legit. He's really, really good. I think. We can all be excited for him. So, A minus. That might be a little lenient for me as a as a running back creator, but I think he's going to be really, really good. And I, they they need to build the offense around Wilson. And I I did like how the the team in oh eight and oh nine was built around the run game with a very good offensive line because without a good run game, your your passing game's nothing. So this will be really good for the offense. They really have that San Francisco mold now. They really are building like the exact same way. So let's see what LaFleur can do with this now. He's going to be fully loaded with talent to work with. So, yeah, more of the story. Excited to have Hall. I mean, so far, there's not hasn't been one picker who's like not excited to have him on the team. But <laughs> Well, I'll let you talk about the next pick as well, since I know you're very happy about this one. I'm yeah. Right off the bat, I'm giving Jeremy Ruckert an A. Like that's that was the move I wanted. So uh, also along with a couple of other moves, like throughout the whole pre-draft process, like perfect developmental tight end, just to someone that like can become tight end one in a couple of years, and that's all they need. Like they, they don't need him to step in right away and be an, a major impact guy. I'm I'm expecting he'll definitely have his opportunities this year because look, one thing you got to account for is like. He's basically backup one because Conklin and Uzama, they're going to be out there together with the 12 personnel. So, like, Rucker's going to have a role. He's, he's don't even, I, I don't think of him as like third string. I think he was like, all right, you're going to get on the field to give one or the other a breather at what other points. And, I, and from what others have commented on him, like, he's got work to do in the receiving game, but that's okay. Like, how, how, how could he have caught many balls at Ohio State when you had Garrett Wilson, when you had Smith and Jigba, when you had. Uh, Marvin Harrison's son. I mean, the list goes on there. Like Olave, yeah, Olave as well. I forgot him. Like, well, that that's you can't expect him to catch a ton of balls. 
at that time. So how he's going to see the field though in blocking. Blocking is yep. a big positive. For I think that's how he's going to. Feel. I mean, yes, we don't want to see a blocking tight end, but it's going to be important to give him reps in his rookie year, at least. And if it's blocking, then so would be it. As long as he's getting reps, it's going to yep. be very good for his development. So yeah, I agree. The receiving he improve upon. That's I think that's a lot easier to improve upon than blocking. Agreed, for sure. And he doesn't play into the grade, but definitely just also a great story. Like, as we mentioned also in the pre-pod, pre-draft pod episodes, just lifelong Jet fan, father, diehard Jet fan. Look like the whole family has been Jet fans based on their reactions. So good to keep on home, for sure, and, and, and literally play for your team that you always wanted to be a part of. So, Well, he's from Long Island. But, yeah, exactly. It doesn't factor into the grade, but it's just another... <laughs> Another nice piece of it. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, so I'm I'm also going to give it an A. I was surprised he fell down into the fourth round. I thought he was going to be a, a late third or a really early fourth round pick. He was, I think, tight end three or four for me. So to get that in the fourth round, I think is really good. And he he is going to be a developer. I can expect him to to be a starter probably in two or three years. Most rookie tight ends don't start right away unless you're Kyle Pitts, so nothing surprising there. And like I said, with his improved blocking ability, I think that's going to be a, a big way he gets onto the field. The offense really likes blocking tight ends. I don't really think there's a big need in the offense for only receiving tight ends, which is why someone like Mike Gusecki was never a, a good fit in free agency if he made it free agency. So with his limited receiving, I think that can easily be coached on and some more experience. I think it's the end of the Kenny Yaboa run, but I'm very excited to have Rucker on the team and as TE3. Exactly. Like, I've, yeah, our, our, our camp favorite Yaboa, unfortunately, probably done for you. <laughs> but <laughs> definitely more excited to have Rucker and to be – I don't know, I'm just looking forward to seeing what he can be in a couple of years. That that could be, could be your tight end one. I I I mean, look as I was saying in the pre-draft process, like if he can turn to Dawson Knox, I think we're all going to be very happy with that. We as as my my barometers always are, just give me 500 yards, 40 catches, and like four to five TDs from the tight ends one spot. Unless you're George Kittle, which you're not. That's I, I'll be very comfortable, and I think he could totally do that in a couple of years when it's it's time to really get those reps. And even if he can't turn into tight end one and he's still a very solid tight end two, that's still a win yeah. for a, a fourth round pick. This draft exactly. could have five starters in, in two or three years, which would be franchise altering. Yeah. Look, I know Samini tweeted it out like this was the first time we believe it was since the 1960s or 70s he had mentioned that they actually took a, a running back wide receiver and tight end in the same draft. Like, we, we've been asking for this for a while. It's all about scoring points. They finally <laughs> realized that. <Yeah. laughs> and that's the goal of the game. And and like you said, if if the Zach Wilson experiment fails, it's not because of Joe, Joe Douglas. He has done everything he can so far. Yeah, like, that's a whole yeah. other topic, but just saying. Yeah, I'm not diving into it. I was about to, but no. more, simply, I agree. <laughs> yeah. That's all. 
yeah, so we we can move over to the next pick of the draft before we go down this whole Zach Wilson thing. So they take an offensive tackle. We knew they would address the offensive line at some point. I'm glad they didn't take a tackle before this position. So they take Max Mitchell from Louisiana. I believe he was at the Senior Bowl. Another Senior Bowl guy for, for Joe Douglas. And he's primarily a right tackle, can play left tackle, but the majority of his snaps were right tackle. To me, it's it's like a shrug pick. Can't can't say I know much about him, but they do need some depth on the tackle position, especially right tackle. I can't see a a Doga play anymore. I think this is the end for him, which I would be happy about. And maybe like at at worst, Mitchell is a a solid depth piece at best right tackle next year. So I I really can't be too angry about this. I'll give it a, a B minus. Yeah, I, as I, I said to you when they drafted him and, and the next pick as well, like, I'm not going to pretend I knew who they were before they actually announced the pick. <laughs> Definitely did not uh, know who Max Mitchell was in the draft process. But, yeah, I mean, you're not, you can't, like, there's nothing to be disappointed about with it. their backup swing pass. With it. If, as you said, if it really develops into anything, that's the win. If not, you have a backup tackle, and that's okay. I know, like, the one – Stat I saw, I guess he was the highest graded run blocker according to PFF. So you take take that for what you want because it was not a. I mean, the talent that he was playing definitely different types of of the alignment he was facing. But yeah, someone that look, like I said, if it turns into anything, it's a win. If it turns into a backup, that's okay. So I I agree. B B minus. I don't think uh, I can't, I'm not going to go too low. I don't have a good reason to. And no reason to go too much higher either. Just a, just a piece of the O-liner, which was something they needed. More of the story. Like, they could not go into the season with uh, Connor McDermott, as you mentioned. It's probably the end of Adoga. And, look, we'll see what else they do there. But, again, that's for another pile. We're definitely going to talk about that. But that's all. B-minus for Max Mitchell. And, like I told you, maybe they don't re-sign fans. And they move back to back to left tackle, and and Mitchell becomes right tackle. I think best case scenario is he's starting right tackle at, at some point. Uh, he he definitely can't play guard, so don't get that into anyone's heads. <laughs> he's strictly strictly <laughs> tackle. But again, it's good to have some depth because they didn't really address much offensive line depth, and you know Joe Douglas was gonna leave the draft with one offensive lineman, so really can't complain. I did like how they let the area scout make the call to him. If if you didn't see that, that was kind of cool. And That's camaraderie. That that was good stuff by Joe Douglas. I was gonna say I know you don't care about that, but it was it was. Cool. <laughs> no, it was, I I I like that. That's that's how you you have a good working room with all your scouts and and everyone else involved. That definitely, I, I give it credit. <laughs> he seemed really nervous though. I feel I felt bad for him getting uh recorded. <laughs> hey. I don't blame him. I yeah, would be too. Yeah. It it was funny though. Uh, I, I did I did enjoy it how he yep. uh, told Max, "This is my first time doing it," but it's <laughs> cool. Like it's it's nice to reward people like internally like that. That's how you know it's a a good GM. Agreed. So now we can go over to the last pick that the Jets made. Another edge rusher, Michael Clemens, Texas A and M. 
25 year old so kind of a mikey mac pick originally i gave this an f pick but that was in the heat of the moment after reading up on him i'm gonna give this a c minus i don't love the character concerns it seems like the staff doesn't really seem too concerned over it but to be arrested twice and be 25 already as an edge rusher not loving the prospect of it he's gonna have to be instant contributor for the give this grade any higher sites it's it's like a medium risk high reward they definitely could have been a little bit safer they could have taken a different like i would have rather seen a safety here the edge room is really really crowded they're putting a lot of pressure on on guys like Vinny curry bryce huff to perform i guess Vinny curry's a vet so maybe not much him it's more bryce huff to to uh get some sacks and produce because they keep bringing these edge guys so i i don't see him playing much i i really don't know what they're going to do with him so c minus for me i'm going to give it a c plus he, he's interesting yeah initially off the bat i had the same thought as he was like what is this another edge an older edge, someone with uh, off-the-field issues, just seemed like a completely silly move. But he's definitely talented, I'll say that. Like, looking into – I mean, he produced simply at A&M this year. I remember the one stat I gave credit to Samini again that he tweeted out was he averaged 4.6 pressures a game during the, this past season, which was just behind Alabama's Will Anderson, who I believe is going to be a top pick next year, and was actually ahead of Aiden Hutchinson. So. Not a bad group to be a part of there, for, and especially when you're going in round four. So it's a swing. It could easily be a complete miss, but I guess – well, this is how I was thinking of the picks at this point too, which also made me feel a little less negative about it. Like, like you should have seven picks in the draft. It should be like your round seven selection. So your seventh player went in round four, and this is your swing. I, I can't really complain as much about that. Yeah, I would have liked them to go. I agree with you. Other directions, no doubt. But we'll accept them. They definitely, as solid as my thing is with his defense, like they want to have four fresh D linemen at all times. So I guess he's going to be, well, yeah, he's going to be a part of that rotation, simply. So C plus, an interesting player, but definitely one that can become a complete bust and have no impact. <laughs> so we'll see. Best, best case scenario, he's a situational pass rusher worst case yeah, he's that's coming. okay i i just hope he, they did their due diligence with the the whole character issue thing that's what i'm worried about yeah i don't think according to douglas they, they did mention this that they talked to him they did their homework and they feel comfortable with it so i can only take them at their word for that and uh for, for now they get the benefit of the doubt that <laughs> the staff and all that yeah, so we'll see. But like I said, it's a very crowded edge room. It's going to be interesting to see how the rotation pans out. So I guess with that, we can give our, our final overall grades. I'll, I'll let you go first on this one. I mean, I think it comes out to an A at the end of it all. I think in the show, it's like an A minus, but it's got to be an A. Like To get five, as you said, five players that could become like, not become like, but yeah, that can be starters. <laughs> full time throughout their tenure here like 
how can I complain about that? And the swings they took in round four, they're not they're not big ne- potential negative swings. So I think the class overall gets an A, and, and that does incorporate, as, as I mentioned before, the process, how they went about it, the movement of their picks they gave up. I I can't not give this this class an A, and it's lenient, but this year it's warranted. So good job, Joe Douglas, Sala, and everyone else. Let's see them perform now. So I'm gonna give it an A minus. I still think it's a pretty good high grade for me. Like I said, the the Clemens pick not my favorite. The Sauce pick, he's gonna be good. It seems just I think it was unnecessary to take a corner that high. Other than that. You're probably going to get four immediate starters or four immediate impact players at least from this class, which is what they needed with two, no, four top 35 picks. Yeah. Uh, top 38 picks. I mean, they only had one second rounder at the end of the day, but you get the point. And even if Max Mitchell and Michael Clemens don't pan out, they aren't the ones that were hoping pan out you know it's it's the the first four or five guys that seem like they can be really important cornerstones and if they are then this is going to be one of the drafts in Jets history is that a hyperbole maybe <laughs> but I think it's true you know, this, this this could be the one that gets it on the right path it, I know it's so cliche to say but it, it really is true this time right you could not have those feelings but you could feel the it was starting to turn last year, but now it's like, all right, the turn is full and start going down the path of, of productive things. <laughs> Wins, simply. So, happy about the class, and I could say, don't think we're doing a an undrafted free agent pod. There was pretty much zero notable names. I think we could just mention the one notable name. Uh, was it Donovan Knight, running back from NC State? Zon about it. Yeah, Zonovan, excuse me, Zonovan Knight. Uh, only thing I notable about him, like he, he was one of the better kick returners in the in um, excuse me, in the ACC in college football last year. So, I, I really think that's the only possible one that could find a way to stick. I, I don't think anyone else from the, this UD is going to make the roster because one interesting thing about the Jets roster is they have the most returning players like under contract, so there literally isn't the space for it as well. So. In the whole in the whole NFL. Yes, they they were at the top of that, I believe. I saw heading to the draft. So literally, yeah, like literally, the space is not there for a lot of these guys that are going to be there. Yeah, I mean, you 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 build out your practice squad from this stuff, but I it's extremely possible there's zero UDFA's on this roster. I I will this. say this UDFA process has been an F for Joe Douglas. <laughs> Besides Zonovan Knight. The rest of the guys that they're signing are invited to tryouts. It's just disgusting. They 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 could have had Justin Ross. They could have had some of the guys. But no, they want to get an NAIA wide receiver from Siena Heights. They want to get a quarterback, a quarterback from Alcorn State. Why are we bringing in quarterbacks? What are we doing? Like, it's so stupid. I, I don't expect anyone to make it. Besides maybe Knight. I'll be surprised if Knight makes it. I hope he does, but I'm not counting on it. I think only if they keep four. He's not, it's not making Kevin Coleman jeopardy. He's, he's on the roster. So we'll see. But yeah, the rest of the group, 
my comment is I would like to see how they go about building out that group because it's a head scratcher. A lot of the the names, the the why yes, that- the schools and and the age of people like why- just 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 interesting. Why why are we signing a wideout from Indiana University of Pennsylvania? Like, what are we doing? Look, at the end of the day, we can't get that bent out of shape out of it. They it's just, should not be getting their impact from that group. And I will say this because everyone uh, they actually, sh- no, I will not say this. It was a point that would not have tied to this, so scratch that. <laughs> There's always some undrafted free agents that make teams and turn out to be like Robbie Anderson, so they should take it seriously. And yeah, I'm not out of shape over it, but that's where you can find and like they could have had Justin Ross, who I think should have been drafted, and they decided to to sign a guy from Siena Heights. I will. I think <laughs> on that we can we can wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, we're getting too bent already on the on the undrafted free agent group. So. Look, overall, I think this is the best we're feeling yeah. after basically the whole offseason. Yeah, there might be this little extra wave of free agency. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. When, there's definitely some depth moves they can make. But keep an eye on LDT. Wouldn't surprise me if he's back. I wouldn't be surprised if Quan Alexander comes in after bringing him in for a visit. And we'll see any other. Those are the only two that I think have a true connection to the team right now. Maybe Keelan Cole. True. Yeah, right, right. I would add him to that. He might come back for death. So we'll see what they do in the coming, yeah, coming days, weeks, and I, I would imagine that stuff happens pretty quickly, soon. Yeah. Now there's really not much to report until training camp. Yeah. Uh, I mean, stay healthy. <laughs> That's literally the biggest thing. As every team's asking for, please stay healthy, and be ready for. Well, I guess the more notable one will be the schedule. We can get our first initial thoughts on that, but we'll we'll wait till that comes out. We can give our like our our uh, our May thoughts on the schedule because that's really going to determine the vibe of, of how they as again as with every team, but with how they start, they get a little cupcake matchup off the bat. You get this ball rolling pretty quick in this new this group. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Seventeen and out. Here we come. <laughs> no comma for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can follow us at the good, the bad, and the Jets pod. You can follow us on Twitter at good, bad, Jets pod. And you can follow me on Twitter at Verified. Yep. Thank you. As always, you can check me out on Twitter at sline824 and on TikTok at NYJetsSK824. All right, and I know you have a guest actually lined up in the next week or two. Do you want to announce him for our listeners, or do you want to wait? Yeah, we can announce that we will have Paul Esden Jr. on in our next upcoming episode to wrap up the offseason, give our thoughts on how it all played out. We have Paul, one of the well-known Jets Twitter content creators, also a Jets digital reporter for Heavy Sand. It'll be a fun conversation. Looking forward to it. And yeah, we'll give uh we'll give our thoughts on how this whole off season has played out. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and we'll probably have some more people as the weeks and months go on. Like I said, besides the schedule, there's nothing else really to report on. So we need some content for you guys. So with that, 
We hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for listening and make sure you stay positive and test negative. Thanks, everyone. We'll